When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence. Well, Michigan passed its first Big Ten test last weekend with a win over Maryland. This week, the first road test with a game at Iowa. We'll get a chance to talk about Iowa and all that is to come here in Iowa City. Uh, But we'll also get a chance to sit down with Blake Corum uh, last week. An unbelievable performance, 243 yards on 30 carries. An outstanding performance. He's going to stop by in the trenches to talk about his goals for this season, what he's already been able to accomplish. So stay tuned for that on In the Trenches. Welcome to the official podcast of Michigan football, In the Trenches with John Jansen, presented by Meyer, presenting sponsor of the 2022 Michigan football season and proud supporter of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. The former two-time captain and national champion covers the Wolverines better than anyone. I'm from the DMV area. Yeah. I grew up in Virginia, went to school, high school in Maryland, played youth ball in Maryland, mm-hmm. played with a bunch of those guys on the Maryland team. So, you know, it's a little personal. I can't let them outshine me. This is In the Trenches, presented by Meyer. Once again, here's John Jansen. Welcome back, friends. And I want to let you know that Meyer is the presenting sponsor of In the Trenches, the 2022 Michigan football season, and hundreds of teams across the Midwest. Whenever you shop Meyer, you shop for your entire community. You help support food rescue programs and simply give. You help keep your neighbors well with vaccinations, free prescriptions, and mobile medicine. You help support sustainability in all our communities for today, tomorrow, and years to come. And you help empower minority-owned businesses. Whenever you shop Meyer, you help people in your community to work, to play, to live, and to learn. Learn more at MeyerCommunity.com. Meyer is a proud supporter and fan of the 2022 Michigan football season. 
This week on MGO Blue Podcast, if you missed it on Monday night inside Michigan football, immediately following that, the radio replay, you can find it here. Defend the Block, uh, Tuesday with Director of Basketball Operations and former Wolverine, Chris Hunter. That one's brought to you by Brian Bush. And still to come this week, Thursday's Conquering Heroes featuring new baseball head coach Tracy Smith. Friday, in the trenches, keys to the game and a little locker room speeches. Again, we go on the road for the very first time this year. And then Saturday, post-game edition of In the Trenches, Iowa post-game edition, where you're going to get a chance to hear from Coach Harbaugh, players in the locker room, post-game on the field, uh, analysis from Brian Bush, myself, Doug Karsh, Jack Miller, Jason Avant. It's a great, a, a, a great way to spend your weekend. But right now, I want to bring in my partner here on In the Trenches, and that's Mr. Brian Bush. Brian, how you doing? 4-0 so far this year? Yeah, John, 4-0. and Listen, we all knew adversity was going to eventually hit. We talked about it a lot on Saturday's episode, and we'll get into all of that in a little while. First, though, great to have parents weekend, homecoming. Uh, I'm sure you had a ton of people that you got to see throughout the weekend. Uh, I heard from a a big-time fan of In the Trenches, Scott Lee from out in L.A. He was in this past weekend, wanted to say hello to him. Who did you get to interact with this weekend, maybe, that isn't the normal uh, every single game at the big house type of people. Well, there's so many former football players that were in town, former alumni in town, people that worked at the stadium, uh, band members. One of the great things, Doug Karsh and I do the the Inside Michigan Football TV show directly after the game. We're doing it on the field, and the Michigan marching band was there taking their yearly photo. As soon as they were done, the alumni band uh, marched out, so I had a chance to talk to a lot of the former uh, band members and the Michigan marching band. If you haven't been to Michigan Stadium, if it's on your bucket list to get there, it is an outstanding experience, and I love the band, and it has been one of the highlights of college football Saturdays in Ann Arbor uh, since, I mean, I don't even know when the band started, uh, but it is, it's been outstanding. And so to get a chance to talk to some of those members of of the band uh, was just a lot of fun because they shared their experiences when they were here, what they were doing, what it was like on the field at that time, and uh, just a great weekend all around. No doubt. And uh, you've got a big weekend coming up here in a few. The next home game, we will talk plenty about that as time goes on, but certainly excited about that. All right. Seven from 77 time. And we talked about it. You know, Saturday had some ways of emotion. It was never firmly uh, in control for Michigan until the very end. Uh, Let's talk about broadly an actionable standpoint moving forward, positives and negatives. So, in a win, we start with the positives. Things you think Michigan did well that they'll either need later or can continue to go to during the rest of Big Ten play. And I'm not going to let you to start talking about Blake Horm yet. We will get <laughs> to him later. But beyond Blake, which I know is probably at the top of that list, what are some sustainable positives that you saw on Saturday? Well, I, I really enjoyed watching J.J. McCarthy, again, protect the football. Uh, and this is one that we're going to talk about in positives, also in, I don't want to say negatives, but things that, that can be corrected. Um, I think the biggest positive coming out of Saturday was watching Michigan secondary, uh, whether it was R.J. Moten, D.J. Turner, uh, you know, Makari Page, Gamon Green, I thought 
did an outstanding job of covering four really good receivers that Maryland had. Um, and at times, having to do it for an extended period of time, uh, I was really excited about what I saw from them. Uh, another great positive is the blocking from the tight ends. I know on, on Blake's second uh, touchdown run, there was a great block thrown by Max Bredesen. Um, and throughout the course of, of those 243 yards by Blake, you like how I still got that in there? Yes, um, I knew you he, would. He, the, the tight ends were a key component of, of getting that done. Now on the flip side, number two, things to work on. Certainly after Saturday, what are on the top of your list of corrections from Maryland to Iowa? Well, I think that the number one thing is is it deals with the defensive front seven. One, stopping the run. Uh, I think I mentioned it uh, at the time after the first quarter, Maryland had almost half of their total rushing yardage for the game. I don't know why Maryland got away in the second and third quarters from running the football, but they did, and thankfully for us, they did. Michigan needs to be a, do a better job of stopping the run, especially in the middle, um, and also with the front seven. Michigan needs to do a better job of pressuring the quarterback. Maryland, as we had talked about extensively in the pregame, had five offensive linemen that were veteran offensive linemen. They were, they were all returning starters. They were a good front. Michigan still needs to find a way to put pressure on the quarterback. And a lot of the times, they did it by only rushing four. When that happens, you've got to have somebody win a one-on-one battle. There can only be one double team, uh, and you would understand it if that player didn't get to the quarterback. The other ones have to be able to win those one-on-one battles. Um, And then offensively, uh, J.J. McCarthy, while I did say that I like the fact that he didn't turn the ball over, um, there were times where he was scrambling around, and I think for him, there there comes a point where, yes, you're the quarterback. We want you to throw the ball downfield for big plays, but at some point, you've either got to pick up four or five yards, you got to pick up a first down, and just make that decision to to run the football. Um, the long passes we saw Roman Wilson open. We saw Ronnie Bell open, Cornelius Johnson, and the ball was just out of their reach. That needs to be tightened up, whether it's receivers getting in and out of their breaks cleanly, um, whether it's J.J. just maybe putting a little bit more loft on the ball so the receivers can run underneath it, just being a little more accurate downfield. We did have a nice completion to Ronnie Bell, um, so that was great. But just being more consistent with those explosive plays. If Michigan hits just one of those or hits two out of the three, that game is put away a lot earlier. And you figure this week, if you get one of those deep shot opportunities against this Iowa defense, you probably won't get another one because of how sound they are. We all knew Maryland's strength was offense coming into this week. This coming game, uh, Iowa's offense most certainly is not the strength. Um, They are not. They are not what you might call a potent offense. No, Um, no. Spencer Petras, their quarterback, um, you know, he's – He's really the same quarterback that we saw in the Indianapolis in the Big Ten Championship game. And when you think back to that game, their their offense wasn't uh, obviously dynamic. It wasn't a great offense. Uh, but, you know, right now, what, what I do think that they found um, last week was the ability to go downfield and hit their tight end, uh, uh, Laporte. He's a player that I think can be very dangerous for Michigan. 
Um, you're going to be talking about lining up linebackers on them. You're going to have guys um, that may be outmatched a little bit, and that's where you've got to have guys like Mikey Sanders still roaming around. You've got to have Makari Page and his ability to uh, um, you know to deliver a blow uh, when a guy is is catching a ball. And and you know you look at, at at Sam Laporte who only had four catches. They were for 77 yards. And the more Petrus and Laporte get confident working together, the more potent they can be. That's going to be a huge part of their offense. So number three on our seven from 77, uh, Michigan will hit the road for the first time this year. How does the schedule this week differ, if at all? What kind of questions do young guys who maybe are on their first road trip with the football team or who will play significant snaps for the first time in a road environment, what kind of questions do they ask? How does a team make this as seamless as possible, almost feel as much of a home game as it possibly can be? Well, there's really nothing that changes throughout the course of the week other than maybe some crowd noise played at, at practice, and, and they do that in a number of different ways. Um, but obviously when you hit Friday, it's travel. It's making sure that you've got everything you know, packed in your bags, which happens on Thursday, that you get your bags packed, you get ready to go. Friday, it's a matter of making sure you've got whatever the team is going to travel in all ready to go. You want to have everything planned out, mapped out, so that you don't get on the plane and you think, oh, I forgot something. Um, there's nothing worse than that feeling, especially for a young guy. Uh, and then the veterans on this team, I don't know that there's really anybody left that would have been uh, on the team in 2016, um, you know, and it, the, the whole COVID year, I don't think it will affect any of that. So all of these guys are going to be traveling to Kinnick Stadium for the first time. They're all going to walk into that ugly-ass locker room that's pink and pepto-bismol and just nasty as hell. Um, and so they need to be aware that that's what they're walking into. And and there's I don't really believe that there's any effect that it has other than, you know, it, it's just ugly. It's just ugly and kind of nauseous. So um, that's one thing that there'll be a need to be aware of. The other thing is when you're in Iowa City and in in Kinnick Stadium, the fans are really close to the bench. They're really close to the field. They will be able to hear what you're saying on the sidelines. They'll be able to hear what the coach is telling you. They, You will be able to hear them. As much as you want to block it out, you'll be able to hear them. So you've got to be prepared for that type of environment. And it is a, it is a tough place to go play. So they've got to be ready. First time on the road. First road trip for J.J. McCarthy as the starter. A lot of players going on the road for the first time. Everybody for this year, it's going to be their first one. Um, so you know, it, it buckle up. It's going to be a hell of a ride. Number four, we'll get to your keys on Friday's episode of In the Trenches, but Iowa did on Saturday night take care of Rutgers 27 to 10. It was a sold out crowd in Piscataway. You mentioned the offense and some of the improvements they made there. Defensively, another strong effort from the Hawkeyes. Just how good is this Iowa defense? Well, they're, they're really good on third downs, they held Rutgers to five of sixteen conversions. That's that's where they excel. They they, and I say they excel there. They excel at every down, and they force you into uncomfortable third down situations. Third and seven, third and eight, third and ten, um, and they're just that consistent defense that is not going to give you anything. Um, they're not gonna. They're not gonna. You're not gonna be any easy yards found. Uh, you know against Iowa. And here's the other thing: is turnovers. Um, when, when Iowa, 
is 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 on the field. Their defense is is just a turnover machine. That's how they've been able to score points this year. It's how they've been able to give their offense opportunities to score points, give them a short field. Uh, and against Rutgers, it was you know uh, it was two interceptions. Um, so that's where this team and defensively really excels. We will get into some of the other things that happened this past week, but first, fans, a reminder that Michigan's next home game, Saturday, October the 15th against Penn State, it's shaping up to be a huge Big Ten battle, and and not only is it going to be big in the standings, but it is this season's maze out, so show your support, help the Wolverines maze out the Nittany Lions, wear maze, Saturday, October 15th. Don't know the game time yet for that one. We will likely find out on Monday, but May's out October 15th, Michigan and Penn State. Okay, number five, Big Ten topics. Ohio State all over Wisconsin, 52-21. The next four for Ohio State, they get Rutgers at home, and then it's at Michigan State, home against Iowa, at Penn State. Really the meat of Ohio State's schedule until, of course, the finale against Michigan. But that game Saturday was basically over from the jump. It was. I mean, it was 14 nothing before anybody really even knew what was going on. And, um, you know, Wisconsin's defense is, is the strength of their team, and Ohio State just overwhelmed them uh, in, in every aspect, on the ground and through the air. And, and they're doing it without their number one, I think, offensive weapon, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigbo. Minnesota, 34 Michigan State, seven. And that seven was like scratching and clawing and somehow finding it. Uh, Last week, we talked about whether or not there should be any panic following the loss at Washington. Now there's not a matter of if there should be. It's just how much there is. Well, yeah. I mean, that game was 31-0, and it it wasn't even that close. Uh, It was a, a total destruction of Michigan State. And here's the surprising part. You know, two weeks ago, it was a West Coast trip. It was in somebody else's stadium. This was in East Lansing. Um, And, you know, there was some charity at the end. They did allow Michigan State to get in the end zone. Um, There was, uh, uh, you know, some sacrifice made at the end where they settled for a field goal and could have put the ball in the end zone again. But, yeah, there's there is major panic this year in East Lansing. They can't they can't find a way to get anything going offensively. They can't find a way to stop anything defensively. And, you know, it, it It feels like there's a sense of despair amongst the players where you look and as soon as something goes wrong, doesn't really feel like anybody wants to be out there. Um, and I think Mel Tucker is still a good coach. Uh, I think that he just needs to figure out his team, his guys this year. Uh, And I still think that this is year two of Mel Tucker taking over a program that needed an influx of talent. He's trying to build that through recruiting. It's going to take time. He's tried to supplement it uh, in the transfer portal. And last year, he obviously hit a home run with Kenneth Walker III, uh, and there just weren't any home runs to be had this year. That's probably the risk you run if you do try to go to the portal. You can do that to supplement but if yeah. it is the core or the crux of your of your program, you're going to have some ebbs and flows. It's like it's like in college basketball. If you go and try to recruit a bunch of five stars, the five stars one year might be different than the five stars the next year. Yeah, it's 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 going to vary wildly, and they're finding that out in East Lansing right now. How about Minnesota? I mean, we've asked about the West, and and while 
Wisconsin and Iowa traditional powers out there have not necessarily lived up to what we expect from them in the early season. Plenty of time to go. Maybe there is a legit team in the West. Well, there might be. Um, And P.J. Fleck, their their whole system is based on controlling the game. Tanner Morgan is a quarterback. He's not going to go out there and light the world on fire. Um, Mo Ibrahim is back this year, um, and he's a terrific running back. They've got some new components up front, but when you watch them play, they're they're as old school of of a... offense as you're going to find yeah there are some new components and Kirk Scirocco who's now back as their OC um, you know they find a way to add some new things in but the play clock is always seems to be down to two or three seconds when they snap the ball they're going to win time of possession almost every single game and they're just going to wear out opponents so it'll be interesting to see who steps up on the west that could possibly contend with Minnesota Other games, Penn State pulling away from Central Michigan in the second half to win. Uh, Northwestern falls a 1-3. They lose to Miami of Ohio. Purdue survives FAU at home. Indiana drops one at Cincinnati and Illinois. That was on Thursday. They took down Chattanooga. Uh, Anything that stood out from you on some of those other games last week? Um, Not particularly. I mean, when you look at Cincinnati – yeah, they were a playoff team last year. A lot of that talent is is in the NFL right now. And and I think you look at Tom Allen and and you think, well, okay, they're three and one. Who have they really played? Who have they beaten? Obviously Michigan get a chance to see them uh next week after Iowa. Um so there's some still some question marks of finding out what Indiana is this year. Um Northwestern boy I I just wish that they'd be able to find some quarterback play Um, it's been a a struggle uh, there and and Purdue like there there's one of those teams where you know I, I can't remember what year it was but they jumped up last year and beat Michigan State they jumped they up a few wins. years ago and beat Ohio State I mean they're they're a team that they can they could jump up any single week and beats them. They almost beat Penn State at the beginning of this year and should have. So they're they're kind of the biggest question mark in regards to which team is going to show up and, and when they're going to show up. I think we're going to look back with Purdue this season. This was the year with their schedule to have a chance to make inroads in the West. Their crossover games are manageable. They got Penn State at home on a Thursday night. Big-time atmosphere couldn't come through. And, and they're probably staring at a six and six, seven and five type of season. Yeah. Uh, this week, the slate outside of Michigan and Iowa, not super intriguing. Do, do you have a game or two you're, you're going to be locked in on for the uh, trip back home? Well, I'm going to be, I mean, <laughs> I wish I'd be able to see it. It's going to be going on at the same time we are, but I'm trying to figure out what Wisconsin is. Yeah. Um, and they're going to play Illinois. And the Illinois is a team that I've been kind of trying to figure out with Brett Bielema in his second year going, obviously, uh, back to Madison um, to play against Wisconsin. So that'll be interesting to see how that all works out. And I just want to see what Illinois is. Wisconsin, whether they're the Wisconsin of old or they're just average Wisconsin, it's still a measuring stick for some other programs. Um, And then, obviously, Michigan State, going to Maryland if they can't defend the pass. And we don't know yet if uh, Talia Tungavailoa is going to be available. I know he didn't finish the game against Michigan, but Anderson, um, I believe that was his name, um, who came in. Billy Edwards. uh, Billy Edwards. I was close. Um, 
uh, Billy Edwards, as I mentioned, uh, when he came in, he still was able to throw the ball around extremely well. And with that group of receivers, I mean, that this Michigan State team has got its work cut out for him. I do love how you, folks, I wish I had a video of John, his confidence of just saying close. For a, a moment in time, John Jansen really believed that that was close. In fact, I'm so concerned. I'm literally Googling to make sure. Yes, indeed, it is Billy Edwards Jr. Uh-huh. Uh, who was the, the, the second quarterback. Yeah, his dad. That's, that's who sure. I was referring to. Mr. Anderson. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Yeah, Anderson yeah, Sr., of course. Yeah, no doubt. All right, uh, number six on our top, or on our seven from 77, top 25. Uh, kind of break it down by by conferences. Uh, ACC first, Clemson survives at Wake Forest in double overtime. They get NC State at home. Wolfpack are in the top 10 for the first time in about two decades. If Clemson wins this week, their schedule is pretty much free and clear the rest of the way. Now, this love Florida State. Syracuse is better than people expected. But, boy, if they get past this, Clemson staring at, at potentially 13-0 and and for what we criticize about their schedule in the ACC, and deservedly so, if they go 13-0, and they're going to be in the playoff. Yeah, they will be. And it's, I mean, that that's that's why it needs to expand because I don't believe Clemson is a team. Now, they will be tested this week. They got NC State. Um, and there's a couple more tests that they have coming up. Uh, they're going to play Notre Dame um, later in, in their schedule. I just not sold that they're a complete team. Offensively, they've sputtered at times, and yeah, I know they put up big numbers last weekend. But defensively, uh, you'll you allow forty five points to anybody. Are you really that good of a defense? I mean, that's. I'm just not sure that they're a complete team. Big Twelve, uh, Kansas State. It seems like they have Oklahoma's number. Adrian Martinez played his tail off as they win in Norman. Uh, so. Maybe we'll find out the answer to this question this week when Oklahoma State travels to Baylor, but who do you think is the best team in the Big 12? Because Kansas State, they lost to Tulane last week. Yeah, I, I think it's it's still Oklahoma State. They were a team that some, and one former uh, Michigan alum, I think had them in their college football playoffs, or maybe it was Baylor. Um, it was ba- yeah, Baylor, yeah, Baylor and Pitt. And, Pitt and, yeah, and yeah. Michigan. Yes. So we can't totally rip it. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Oklahoma State is a team that everybody had right there. And wouldn't it just be so college football that Oklahoma State finally, in their very few last meetings against Oklahoma, uh, I know that game's not played until later in the season, but that they would finally get over the hump before Oklahoma goes to the SEC, uh, and that's obviously Bedlam. So I think, quite honestly, Oklahoma State last year, until they couldn't figure out how to uh, to put punch the ball in, they were a playoff contender. Sure. I don't think they're of that caliber this year, but I think that they are a team that could win the Big 12. Uh, Pac-12 USC survives against Oregon State on the road. Washington, they seem to be pretty legit. Big turnover from last season to this season. Uh, Pac-12 overall thoughts on what has been, I think, a pretty good start for them as they try to get back into the playoff. Yeah, I mean, the the team that surprised me um, has been the way that, that Washington State has played. 
Um, you know, they beat Wisconsin uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, they seem to be playing really well, and it's just not a team that I thought would be would be playing well. USC is still the the, yeah. the cream of the crop out there, especially when you're when you're looking at what they have in terms of their skill, their talent at you know quarterback, wide receiver positions, running back positions. When they get tested, uh, when they play a team like Notre Dame, Notre Dame this year is no great shake, but it's still a rivalry game, and I think a lot will be learned in games like that. Lastly, SEC, Texas A&M tops Arkansas. Mm. Literally, how in the world does a field goal hit the top of the upright? That is unfathomable. There's so many things in that game. (laughs) Whether it was, yes, that is... Unbelievable to me. But then all of a sudden, you know, Arkansas is going in, quarterback reaches out, gets the ball stripped from him. Uh, You know, one guy has it. He's about to be tackled. He hands it off to another guy, and they go the length of the field. I mean, it's just unbelievable moments in that game. And and I think looking ahead to this week, and I'm going to jump the shark just a little bit because I know you want to ask about it, and that is Arkansas-Alabama. Sam Pittman, the head coach of Arkansas, is, I think, one of the better coaches in the SEC. Now, he's continuing to build that program, uh, and it's going to take a few more years, but every single year that he's there, the the SEC needs to be on notice that they're going to be a team probably like Maryland is right now in the Big Ten East that you better not sleep on or they will step up and beat you. In that game... Is in Fayetteville. Yeah. So certainly going to be an interesting one. Uh, speaking of ridiculous finishes, did you see the end of Auburn, Missouri? It, it, I mean, college football has just been bonkers this year. I, this past week was pretty nuts of the finishes. Talked about Clemson Wake. You had that. Uh, Texas A&M, Arkansas. Holy cow. Uh, just wild. Um, also this week, Kentucky at Ole Miss. Boy, Kentucky wins this. I mean, yeah, Kentucky wins this, and because it's on the road, Ole Miss is fourteen, um, and then it, it's pretty much you know, hey, sprint to playing Georgia, yeah. who they host. Uh, and I know we've talked about that matchup. This is going to be their one uh, hurdle that they've got to get over. But I, I don't, I don't know that Ole Miss has the ability to compete with a quarterback like Will Levis. I think he's played extremely well. He's very confident in what they're doing there. Coach Stoops is doing an outstanding job at a, at a football school. A football school. Yeah, be careful you say that. That gets down <laughs> get down a couple of states south of us, and uh, people might get fired up. Yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah, St. Peter's, huh? Okay, mm-hmm. so – Number seven, without further ado, I told you to hold off on Blake Corm. I cannot, in good conscience, do it anymore. It was one of the all-time statistical performances for a Michigan running back, and, and it came when this team really needed it. Just how fun was that to watch back on film? Well, everything that Coach Harbaugh has talked about since Saturday, he, he addressed it a little bit and talked about how special that performance was, but then having watched the film, and I thought the offensive line played okay, um, but there were things that Blake Corum just made look right. 
and whether it was the fourth and one, a hurry up, and he and it, you know you could tell that that play was designed to go right up the middle. Nothing was there. He bounces it out. All of a sudden, he goes thirty plus yards for a touchdown. Same thing on on third and four late in the game. Uh, you know nothing there, and the, and the offensive line blocked well. But Maryland just had stuffed things in the middle. He pops it out to the left again and goes 40-some yards for, for a touchdown. His vision, his patience, his durability for 30 carries, to have the, the, that, that ability to go, you know, what is it, 43 yards, 47 yards in the fourth quarter has been outstanding. And that's one thing that Coach Harbaugh has talked about really since Blake Corum has been on campus there's no one that works in the offseason as hard as Blake Corum. There's no one that works harder than him throughout the course of the season to make sure that he's got every aspect, everything that he can control, he controls. From rest to nutrition to training to practice to, to what he's doing leading up to game time, there's no one that has it more dialed in than Blake Corum, and it's just a lot of fun to watch him. 16 games since the start of last year or excuse me, 18 games since the start of last year, Blake Corum has had a 25-yard run or longer, half of those games. He had several of them against Maryland. Just a home run hitter. I, I caught up with Zach Zinter this week, and he said he did not see that fourth and one because he was in in that in mosh the pit. Yeah. He said, I heard the touchdown. Uh, and that's, I mean, shows you the, the move that Corum made, the presence of mind he had, because he would have had to have a heck of a jump if he went straight up the chute. So with all this being said, I mean, you kind of have to thrust him into the Heisman conversation, don't you? It, it's a Heisman-level uh, performance. And now what you need to see is it's great, and, and Maryland played well. This isn't a shot at Maryland. Sure. But when you do it against Maryland, eh, you know, it doesn't really carry a lot of weight. You go to Iowa, and you do it in Iowa City against that defense. Okay, now you're talking about Heisman chatter. You do it against Penn State and the talent and speed that they have on defense. You do it against Ohio State and Columbus. You talk about Heisman moments. This is this could be like the start of the campaign, and now we it needs to build, and he needs to do it when it matters most. I'm excited to see if he can find his way into the end zone. Remember last year at Nebraska, the corn on the cob celebration, oh, that's right. that's which right. was an all-timer. Oh, I hope he's got something special. I know he's got some something special for us here on this interview. Uh, he does. So I, without further ado, um, here is Blake Corum, and I hope you enjoyed listening to him as much as I enjoyed talking to him. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.
Well, I am joined by the man of the hour, the guy who is starting to get some whispers in the Heisman race. We'll talk about that in a minute, but I'm joined by Blake Corum, 243 yards on 30 carries. Uh, first of all, thanks for joining me. And did you know you could have a day like that against Maryland's defense? I knew the air was a little different uh, when I woke up uh, that morning, but uh, preparation. So, okay, you know the air is a little different. What does that mean? You know, I prepared all week. You know, let me just start where I want to. Maryland, I'm from the DMV area. Yeah. Grew up in Virginia, went to school, high school in Maryland. Played youth ball in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Played with a bunch of those guys on the Maryland team. So, you know, it's a little personal. You know, I can't let them outshine me. But, um, <laughs> you know, I prepared for it like it was any other game. You know, prepared hard, watched a lot of film, practiced hard, team practiced hard. Uh, and when I woke up on uh, Saturday morning, it was it was time to get it on. You know, that's that's what I mean when I woke up and when I sniffed the air, it was a little different. Like, you know, people I uh, played ball with when I was young and in high school, mm-hmm. I was about to go to war with them. So, okay, I, I get that. I understand that. Right. And so how do you recreate that against a team like Iowa mm-hmm. or a team like Penn State or Michigan State when they come here? Like, how do you recreate that moment when you wake up and you know that there's just something different, something's gonna spe- special is going to happen today? So I look at every game as an opportunity game, right? So Maryland, I have yet – that was my first time playing Maryland. Last year, I had a high angle sprain. Uh, freshman year, it was COVID. Didn't play Maryland. Iowa, I still had, you know, I felt my ankle sprain a little bit, but I believe I had like five carries for like 80 yards. So there's opportunity there. Like, what can I do with 10 carries? What can I, if, if, if I'm blessed to have 20 carries this week, what can I do with 20? Uh, and they have one hell of a defense. So that's opportunity. You know, they, they have some uh, guys on their team that are talking about going first round and things. Like, that's opportunity. How can I take advantage of the opportunity that's in front of me? Penn State. I didn't I didn't get to play Penn State last mm-hmm. year. I played in my freshman year, COVID year. That's an opportunity. So every every game, like I look at it maybe in a different way, but like it's all opportunities to to see how be- how much better I can get or where can I can grow or what I can do. Uh, I talked to Coach Harbaugh earlier in the week and he said that there are some guys that train obviously to play one game a week. That's what football is. There are other guys that train like they're going to play two games in one day. Right. He said if you had a game at noon, 30 carries, 243 yards, by 4 o'clock you'd be ready for game two. Right. What drives you in the off season to prepare and be ready for a game where you, you might carry the ball 30 times? Uh, just being consistent. You know, I believe in being consistent. You know, my day-to-day schedule just consistently don't change for nothing. You know, what got me here – why 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 would I stop, you know, working as hard as I did when I was young or when I was in high school? Like, I'm here now, but I know where I want to go. So like just be consistent. Like if anything, work harder that you're here now. So like I just I just want to take advantage of every day. Uh because, you know, it could be different. It, it could be a lot different. You know, I I'm when I go to sleep at night, that could be my last sleep. Like I my view of things, my perspective is just a little different. Um and that's why I just want to take advantage of every opportunity I get. How tightly planned is your day? Because one of the other things Coach said is a from nutrition, sleep, mm-hmm. workout, practice, school, like you've got it down to the second. Mm-hmm. How much do you plan out your day while you're in the football season? I, you know, I plan out every day. 
You know, and majority of the days are the same. Like my Mondays, you know, I look at my class schedule. Okay, Mondays, Wednesdays, I got this class. Tuesdays, Thursdays, I got this class. Okay, now I can base my my preparation around my school schedule. Um, I'm gonna eat it this time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the facility get some treatment. Okay, I got to lift it here. Like it's really precise, and you know, you can't look too far ahead. You gotta do one thing at a time, right? So I gotta wake up. I gotta say my prayer. I gotta brush my teeth. All right, check that off. Right. Go downstairs, eat, check that off. All right, let's go to class. Like, everything's precise. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's the way my schedules are set up. Mm-hmm. Now, on Sunday, Sunday's kind of off day. You know, I just go with the flow. You know what I'm saying? I might have something to do. I might not. I might be able to kick back. Like, But uh, during the week, those five days or those six days, uh, Saturday, you know, it, it's a precise schedule. When somebody comes up to you, because somebody is going to, I'll be the first, and says names like Tyrone Wheatley. Denard Robinson, Tamunga Biaka Batuka, like moments like you had on Saturday are, are games that people will remember forever. When they talk about you in terms of comparing it to those guys, how, what does that make you feel and what do you think about being in that group of guys? I mean, that's a great group. The guys you just named, that's a great group to be a part of. But, uh, you know, it's just a blessing. Um, but it also makes me want to go harder. How can, you know, I believe uh, Chad or someone showed me the list. I think I'm seventh. How can I, how can I get to that, that 310, I've, uh, 310 or something up 313. there? 313. 313. No, that was my guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. So how, how, can, how, can I be, how can I become number one, right? Uh-huh. 243, that's cool. But how can I get to 314? You know, so uh, it's motivation. But it's, it's an honor to be on that list. Uh, it, it definitely is a blessing. Uh, first road trip. On this year to Iowa, how was the preparation? Is there any difference in the week of preparation, and what's it going to be like finally hitting the road? Well, I mean, the preparation may be a little different. Um, obviously, we had a test with Maryland, so now we have some something to look at. Where can we get better at? Where can we grow at? Where can we change a couple of things? But mainly, the preparation is going to remain the same, but we have some things to fix, and we'll, we'll fix those things up. We'll prepare for Iowa. And then, like, I just talked to the guys uh, – you know, just embrace everything, you know, and embrace the flight there, embrace uh, their pink locker room, like, then go embrace the field, just embrace the moment, because um, it's, it's going to be a great day. The pink locker room is ugly as hell. <laughs> tell, I'm telling you, it is ugly as hell. Right, I bet um, it is. When, I, I want to go back to Saturday for just a moment uh, before we get down the road with Iowa too far. Um, it's fourth and one. You guys are hurrying the line of scrimmage. Mm. Um, what... What's the process that you go through when you know, hey, JJ's going to hand me the ball? I know you were head center guard area, mm-hmm. and there wasn't anything there. Mm-hmm. Talk, walk me through the process of how you end up bouncing it. How do you see it? How do you know? Is it a feel that you that that right. of why you bounced it out there? Right. Yeah. yeah. So if it was fourth and one, we weren't hurry up. They weren't set. I'm like, hey, JJ, snap the ball, snap the ball. And so in my mind, said fourth and one, I'm like. Nothing's stopping me. Like I'm getting this one yard regardless. And the play they called is it's really supposed to it's a one to two yard run. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a hard mouth downhill run. If you have to just put your head down. Um they ended up getting a lot of pressure and uh backed us up and at the corner of my eye I saw the tight end. I think he blocked down or maybe kicked out. Can't really remember. But at the corner of my eye I saw a hole. And when, when after I saw that I'm like Oh, it's time to ride. Like, let's go. Hit the hole, and it was out of there. There was no one there. Is that 
it happened so quick. Mm-hmm. And obviously I never moved with the quickness. Not yeah. many people move with the quickness you move with. Is that more of a, is it a reaction or are you actually thinking, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to bounce this out to the uh, left. That That's a reaction. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's completely reaction. Like I didn't even know I was doing it until yeah. it happened. You know, like it's just a, you know, I've been playing running back for so long. It's just like natural. What, what Mike Hart say when you came to the sideline? He, Mike's a man of few words. You know? <laughs> He'll tell you congrats, but you know, I think it was just a fist bump. Like that's what you're supposed to do. Uh-huh. All right, now walk me through the the, the your second touchdown. Mm-hmm. It's third and four. I know Max Bredesen is is lined up in front of you. He comes across the formation at the snap of the ball. He's taking end man on the line of scrimmage. Right. Where was that play intended to go, and how did you end up? Where you went, where yeah. uh, on the left side? So the play is intended to go uh, to the field side. Um, I'm supposed to press my center, you know, and then read it right. But um, they've been they were bringing pressure uh, quite a bit mm-hmm. in the second half, and uh, my pre snap read told me like, "Hey, they're coming." So then I'm thinking, "Okay, this is going to bounce." Um, and it ended up, ended up bouncing, you know. So I got the ball. Max came to slice. I think he uh, whiffed a little bit. Um, Got enough of them. Got, he, no, yeah, he got it. He got it. He got enough of them, and that's all. That's why I tell my guys, it's like, get in, give me a crease, like, just get enough. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I don't need all day. I'm not asking you guys to bring it, pancake everyone. My old line does. My tight, my tight ends, they pancake a lot of people, but just give me a little bit. And he he got enough. I bounced it, and I, I told myself like, if I bounce it quick, there will be no whole call, and uh, it was it was off to the races after that. Um, Coach uh, Harbaugh, I keep going back to some of the things because he he detailed a lot of your game uh, in his press conference on Monday, and he said you're you're one of the few guys that can get right up on a defender and then cut. And I think he actually said you you're so close to him you can smell his breath, <laughs> and when you cut, those guys don't even touch you. Mm-hmm. Is that? Is that something you try to do? Not smell his breath, but is that something you try to do in terms of you want to get as close to him as possible before you cut? Or 100%. I mean, like, uh, yeah, I don't, I like, right, right, I, right. I, I, I'm confused. I, I, I don't know. Right, I mean, right. like, for if from me, I would want to get away from him as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, it, it all depends on the play and the setup and where they're at in the field. But like, majority of the time, it's one on one, me and the safety. Like, I'm trying to get up on his toes. I cut too far away, it gives him too much time to try to make the tackle, or I, it could be a bad cut. But I know if I get up on his toes and what Coach says, smells his smell, smell his breath. Yeah, um, it's gonna be like a deer in headlights. Like they're not gonna be able to, like I'm so close. Like they're not gonna be able to think. And so like uh, I, I try to pre- I try to get on their toes real quick. That's the thing. You want to get on their toes real quick. You don't want to be so like get on their toes real quick where they can't even think and then make a move and uh. Who's go got from the there. worst breath in the uh, Big Ten? <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna figure. I'm gonna find that out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rank them uh, at the end of the season. <laughs> um, as you as you prepare to go to Iowa, how big is this game? It's the toughest matchup, the best defense in terms of statistics that you guys have played. How big is this mm-hmm. matchup for you guys? It's a big matchup. You know, uh, just from an offensive perspective. You know, their coach has been there forever. They've been running the same defense forever, you know, and, and, and they're and they're really good at it. They're good at what they do. They don't do a lot, but they're good at what they do. And uh, so it's an opportunity. Like I said, it's an opportunity to go in there and just um, embrace the game, you know, just 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 do us, 
No, but it, it's definitely a great opportunity, uh, and I'm really excited. Last thing before I let you go, um, we talked about your training. Do you ever get concerned when you have a game, 30 carries, 243 yards, of getting worn down or beat up through the course of a season? I don't know. That doesn't even cross my mind. It's like, let's go. You know what I'm saying? Coach, you need me to carry 40? Let's go. I'll carry 40. 50. Coach, you need 50. Like, I prepare. Like, that's just my mindset as well, you know. Um, Especially just, like, being from the country, growing up on a farm, like, like that blue collar, you know what I'm saying? It's just my mindset, just like, let's go. Like, nothing's going to stop us. Like, I'm going to keep working harder and harder. Like, I'm not going to get worn out. You know what I'm saying? You you have to be the last man standing type. But um, that's that's just my mindset. Now, I don't, I don't ever think about being uh, worn out, actually. Well, I appreciate you stopping by. And um, I will check in with you at the end of the year. My guess is Buckeye breath is probably the worst. Uh, we but shall we'll, see. We'll, I will check in at the end of the year. Thanks, man. Appreciate <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Well, thanks to Blake. Uh, As I mentioned, he's got it all dialed in. And not just in terms of nutrition, rest, training, playing, but also time management. So thanks to him for squeezing us into uh, his tight schedule. Thanks to you as a listener for always finding time to listen to us. Make sure you subscribe to MGO Blue Podcast. You don't want to miss Defend the Block. You don't want to miss the Inside Michigan Football Radio Replay, Conquering Heroes, our Friday edition and Saturday edition of In the Trenches. There's so much to that you want to be stay, you know, to stay tuned into here at the University of Michigan. But if you want all your football information, make sure you're always listening to us here on In the Trenches. Thanks for listening to this edition of In the Trenches with John Jansen, presented by Meyer, presenting sponsor of the 2022 Michigan football season and proud supporter of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. In the Trenches is part of our Michigan Athletics Podcast Network, MGo Blue Podcasts. The preceding is a Learfield presentation of the Michigan Sports Network.